His experiences as a military combat veteran inspired him to get his Ph.D. and dedicate his life to helping first responders and military veterans deal better with the effects of trauma and lead better lives. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Another reason to like and follow us on Facebook, the mobile Facebook app. You can listen to the podcast there for free. So if you ever miss an episode of Law Enforcement Today Show, it's always on the mobile Facebook app. You know the one on your phone, which is free. It's easy to access the podcast and great articles, much more. By the way, feel free to send me a message. Say hello. If I can help you, let me know. That's on our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. Calling us from Northeast Florida, we have Matthew R. Burke, Ph.D., retired combat veteran, founder of 10Can, Inc. Their website's 10can.us. Also, check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 10, that's one zero C-A-N, and you find them right there. Matthew, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Hey, thank you for having me. First of all, uh, I appreciate your service to our country. I know you're going to talk a bit about that. Uh, you, were a military, you're, you were a military person for a while, and you are a retired combat vet now, correct? That's correct. How long did you do in the military? I did 13 years. And what branch were you in? Air Force. All right. Now, I'm not going to make any Air Force jokes. A lot of people like to do that. Look, there's <laughs> a lot of tough assignments in the Air Force. And a lot of people that make these jokes, I understand it's okay for other military branches to do that. Those outside, if you think it's easy, sign up and try it yourself and let us know how it was. So I won't be doing that. And- <laughs> During your, your career in the Air Force, you saw combat, correct? Yes. And without going knee-deep in the weeds, it had a profound impact on you, didn't it? It did. Yeah. What, what was some of the experiences that were a, a huge factor in your, I hate this term, mental health, emotional health, whatever it might be, afterwards? Well, there was definitely pros and cons, uh, I like, I like to start with the cons first. And the cons is, you know, it's, uh, life is, life can be taken from you in, a, in, a, in an instant. And if you're not prepared, it's, uh, your family, you kind of leave your family on their own. Everybody having to kind of pick up the pieces and whatnot. Some of the other things of mental health is that what I consider, uh, being a spiritual prisoner of war is that post-traumatic stress that, um, a lot of uh, for a long time I, I had a hard time I had a hard time uh, escaping you know and those are the terminologies I use because when we talk about like spiritual warfare it's really hard to understand something that we can't touch or smell or see right it's it's really it's really difficult 
And so what I had to learn is how to apply my combat training to what's going on inside of me, what's going on inside my my head, my command center, if you would. And um, that it started out as a con, but ultimately ended up as a pro. And and what I've what I've been able to do is take what I've learned in um, in escaping from this spiritual prison uh, and and these constant attacks with. Um, these constant attacks from the enemy, uh, you know, that we, we carry stuff home with us. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the, it's really, it's really just tough to describe unless you've been there and done it, that. It is. And I, I tell people one of the best ways I described it was all the tools I needed to be a good street cop, everything I needed to stay alive. And by the way, going back to what you said earlier, if people realize how easy they could lose their lives or how easy yes. they could be maimed, they would be in a constant state of panic. So I don't yes. want people to think that. But all those tools that I needed eventually became a handicap for me having a pleasant life today. And yes. I have to remind myself all the time. I'm not going to tell my story, but I have to remind myself all the time, hey, that was needed back then. It's not needed now. The situation now is not like then. Even though there are triggers, and I hate that word, I'm air, air quoting, that leads me to think I need to react a certain way because it reminds me of past incidents. Yeah, I, I actually like the word trigger because it's it's what we know, as, as if you would, gunslingers. And if you're familiar with the trigger, when it first was designed, there was no trigger guards and people ended up shooting themselves in the foot and had a lot of mishaps, if you would. So what, what I teach a lot of, a lot of people, and I had to teach myself this, is to build a guard around my trigger to protect not just myself, but others, right? And so I, I actually like that word because it's something that, uh, most warriors can, can, can recognize. But going to the, going to the pro of seeing combat and seeing just the, massive destruction of stuff that that uh, that I witnessed over there you know the pro is that I value life I I I, I all this drama the, the petty stuff that that we face in first world country uh, it's nothing if you've experienced what what a lot of warriors have experienced like myself you know and and it's like for 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 example um the the covid pandemic uh, a lot of people were freaking out. You had the the global shortage of of, of toilet paper, and, and you got people hoarding ammunition. A lot of different things uh, because people are scared. They're, they've never faced anything like this. But I would I would venture to guess that I'm not alone in saying that this was this was my prime uh, operating platform. When everybody's freaking out, uh, I, I function at the highest highest levels and uh, that's something that that you don't get unless you've been under fire and you've been under those stressful situations that you can function in a in a high stress environment and enjoy it and not that i enjoyed seeing all the death that was taking place with covid it was that uh i i just i did i just enjoy uh i enjoy being able to operate in high intense situations And, and you know when everybody shut down I, I stayed in the field man and i uh what what they call what they call them the in in the air force you call them noners non-essential personnel right and uh and so i wasn't going to be a noner i was going to sit in a sit in a bunker sit in my house and do nothing uh, i i felt 
that I needed to be out in the field and, and, and still you know, taking my mission to I mean, serving a purpose, if you would. Yeah, I agree. I was laughing earlier because my wife will say one of the classic examples is, and I know it sounds ridiculous, a tree frog jumped off of a, a sliding glass door and landed on her shoulder, and she went, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, I did barely respond, and she's like, how come you didn't come save my life? And I was like, honey, it's not a life-threatening situation. I handle yes. threatening situations differently. Yes. You know, and here's yes. part of the weird thing. Even after all these years, Matthew, part of me, deep down inside, as much as I dislike sometimes how it has affected me, I seem to perform better in crisis, chaos, and life-threatening situations than I do in the, yes. the mundane you talked about. Yes. And she doesn't get the right response, and she's like, you're, you're not even paying attention. Why don't you care? <laughs> I think you could relate to that. I can, yes. That's the hard part. We're sitting down having dinner, and I, I, another guest talked about this. We're having dinner. We're trying to have a nice time. You know, we see these TV commercials. Yeah, the couple's there. They've got the candlelight dinner, the nice restaurant. They, they're looking in each other's eyes, and they're having deep, heartfelt conversations and intimacy and all these things. And I'm trying to do that, and some guy's talking too loud in the corner. And I'm paying attention to what he's doing because it, it reads as a possible threat to me. And it kind of destroys the entire moment. Let's just put it this way. It doesn't wind up being like the television shows and movies. We're talking with Matthew Burke. He is a PhD. He's a combat veteran. He's the founder of 10 Can. We're going to talk more about his story, his mission afterwards, trauma, combat, you name it. It's all coming up on a Law Enforcement Today show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Have I got a deal for you? No, I'm not trying to sell you a bridge or swampland. Enter contest for your chance to win great prizes by subscribing to the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Matthew Burke on the Law Enforcement Today show. Matthew is a retired U.S. Air Force combat veteran. He's a PhD. He's a founder of 10Can Inc. 10Can.us is a website. Also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 10Can. Just do a search on Facebook for 10, number 10Can. When we were talking earlier, I think one of the profound experiences for me, and I'm sure was for you, is look, I want people to be comfortable in their beds at night and not be aware of how dangerous life really can be. And for me, it was a huge culture shock, the amount of violence that I saw. When you were deployed, especially overseas, you were a relatively young man. This had to be quite the shock experience for you to, to, to be deployed to a combat war zone. Yeah, it definitely was. Every little thing about that, the sounds, the sights, did that lead you into becoming a better combat veteran? Yeah, it, it did. It actually did. You know, it, although I was struggling with with uh, some some traumatic stress, uh, it it allowed me to be more focused, honed in. Uh, it's what we call being seasoned, and uh, and kind of really uh, being the, the master of of your environment. And, and situationally aware, where you, you know you you're, you're checking corners, you're 
you're watching you're watching people more uh, with more intent. Uh, you're reading body languages. You, you're sitting with your back in the in the corner. You know, different things of that nature. Yeah, I, my wife knows the routine. When we go out to eat, there's certain spots I'm more comfortable at, and other ones I'm not. And she already knows. We don't even have to have the. She'll say periodically, uh, "This is good for you, isn't it?" I'm like, "Yeah, this is perfect." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, my family is very similar. You know, they uh, they they've been able to adapt and it was a shock really it was a shock for them when I came home and I was different and my kid just the other day she's 21 married to a marine now and and we were going over kind of some history uh, and she's like dad you know uh, you've come a long ways uh, you know I, uh, I can appreciate you but you know one of the biggest things was you know I didn't like it when you came home different and that that broke my heart you know coming home you know kind of as this different person it's so uh, I, I don't know really how to explain it unless you've you've been there and done that and and that that happens for military it happens kind of instantly because we're exposed twenty four seven for six to twelve months whereas you know first responders it can it can gradually occur over time because we we just don't have a safe haven over there to where we can escape and right. and um, get get our minds and soul restored if you would one of the things you said I think that's important is when you came home. For me, I was exposed to so much violence and trauma and stress all the time that I had to leave Baltimore. I had to get out of the state of Maryland. I love being a couple hours away, but still it was too close. I moved to a totally different other part of the United States. I'm in Florida now. And I still walk around, not with my head on a swivel like I used to, not like it was when I was on the job, but eventually... I still, I still have those cues in there, and the, there's only two places I ever felt totally relaxed. Actually, three. One's Blue Ridge, Georgia, in the mountains, with no people around. Funny how that is. The other one is the the Lower Keys because it's so peaceful down there, and the other one's the country of Ireland. It's so relaxing, so little violent crime. I just didn't immediately felt the absence of threat of of violence. So when you come home, there's got to be a difficult phase of changing and, and flipping that switch for lack of better words yeah it was it was definitely I, I turned to the outdoors because that's where my childhood roots are I turned to the outdoors for the healing and to uh, and try to get get squared away if you would but uh, you know I, I'm, I'm with you man when I'm hunting and fishing uh, I feel at peace it's it's a good way for me to flesh out some stuff that I'm dealing with I, you know surviving doing a survival challenge it reminds me of how bad life can really be because we we do have it good, and um, and when you when you deploy and, and you're taking a shower in cold water and freezing temperatures outside, you don't have a posturepedic bed to, to snuggle up in. You can't touch your you know wife or whatever the case may be. You hug your kids. Then those are, those are the those are the things we often take for granted here here in America. And uh, and what I like to do is just get out and and remind myself. Uh, how how tough things could really be, and how good I actually have it. You know, that's when I get complacent. And everybody gets complacent from time we to do. time, and it's it's um, you know one of the things that 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 I that that I'm able to lower my guard in is when I'm around when I'm around my brothers. If I'm around someone in law enforcement, I, I trust them. You know, and I, I I feel like I can sit with my back to the door because that's they they got my six, and it, and it's important to be able to trust one another 
and, and, and have intimate friends that you know can can handle their business. And that's one thing that you talk about, you know, going out and being alone. That's really important because that helps us build build a relationship with our with our creator. But it's it's also important to remain in contact with with our brothers and sisters because fellowship it's uh, it's what it's what strengthens us. It does, and you're absolutely right. When I am around other people that I trust, I know they got my back. I don't, yes. I can relax. I don't have to be on guard. And it's not a conscious decision. I, for those yes. who don't go through this, I want you to understand. Be grateful you don't. Uh, and it's far better today than it ever was. I tell people, you know, I have my scars. I'm aware of my scars. So the people who are important to me, like you said earlier, your daughter, they don't have to be. They don't. They don't. We don't have these conversations anymore because it's a non-issue in your life, and that makes me very, very happy. Because there was a time yeah. where it was not that way, where it was a raw nerve all the time, and I was angry. I was short fused. I was reactionary, and I was distant. Maybe the yeah. term is isolation. I wasn't available emotionally for people who mattered to me. And what I was doing, yeah. Matthew, was I was pushing them further and further away as a protective measure for them. Yeah, it got to the point where I I feared my insides more than anything. And I was, and I, this was so weird. I felt like I was a burden and a drain on those yep. who mattered to me. And whatever sense of, of emotional pride I had, and we'll get to the spiritual aspect in the next segment, because that's so important. But what spiritual connection I felt I had to the God of my understanding was gone and had been gone for a long time. And I couldn't find a way to get back to that. And I, I, I tell people this, there was a time when I was a kid where I believed in Santa Claus and life was great. Yep. There was the biggest concern was what are you getting for Christmas? There was no worries, no fears. And I was so far away from that guy that I was deeply ashamed, not of things I'd done. I was deeply ashamed of who I became. Yeah, a lot of times, man, like for 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 me and, and countless other veterans, we're uh, we're used to you know taking taking on the enemy and taking out the enemy, if you would. And when when we deal with these internal this internal turmoil, post traumatic stress, um, suicide tends to uh, flutter around in the mind as an as an option to take out the monster and and stop being such a burden to people, you know and. And so I struggled with that. I, I, I almost tapped out, man. And, We're going to talk and about I, that in just a few moments. Matthew Burke is our guest. He's a PhD. He's a retired combat vet, founder of 10Can Inc. Our website is 10, number 10can.us. Uh, online on Facebook, do a search for 10Can and you'll find them. This is Law Enforcement Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today podcast network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com.
to our conversation with Matthew Burke, Ph.D. on the Law Enforcement Today Show. That sounds fancy. He's a retired combat veteran, which is what I appreciate the most. He's the founder of 10CAN, which I also appreciate because they're dedicated to helping military veterans, first responders overcome and find a better life in spite of trauma and the effects of trauma. Their website is 10 can it's number one zero can dot us they're on facebook do a search for 10 number one zero can and you will find them we're going to rake matthew we were starting to talk about losing oneself not just mentally not just physically the mission i had a different mission life when my my career was over suddenly uh but there was a huge loss spiritually a lack of connection with people who mattered to me a lack of, lack of connection with uh, with not getting religious with with my higher power with God, and feeling like I was a ashamed of myself and a burden on my family, and immediately I got the re- reaction from you that it was similar for you. It definitely was. Yes. How would you explain that? For the, and it sounds so nonsensical, but it really isn't. Something in me changed, and I don't know, I can't know if you can explain it, but something in me changed, and I was no longer the same guy, and I was trying desperately, using willpower to be the guy I was before all this stuff happened. Was that a good way of explaining for you? Yeah, you know, I I tell my kids often that you become a product of your environment, right? So when you're around... Uh, for us, when when we're around this, this this violence and this destruction and death and um, disease and uh, war, it, it, we become a product of that environment. And um, as humans, we're you know that's unnatural. It's unnatural to to see, to smell, to hear, just to witness all of that. And and when when we do witness it, it, it becomes problematic. And um, what we have to do is spiritually, we have to learn how to apply our tactical skills that we that we exercise on the outside to an enemy, to the enemy within. Um, and for law enforcement, it, it should be an easy transition. Military combat should be an easy transition. But what you know? What about firefighters? How do, how does a firefighter? take what they know and fighting fires and saving lives and apply it to their spiritual war that they deal with. And so that's something that I've, I've explored, I've researched and I've developed a, kind of this, this formula that, that saved my life. And, um, my faith is the foundation of it, but there are life elements, 10 life elements that you, you have to balance. You have to balance. You, you know, if one of those elements are off, it's like a, a spoke in a wheel. That wheel becomes um, wobbly, and that's what happens in your life. If any any one of those life elements are off, you you become unbalanced, and then chaos can can ensue. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to we're trying to achieve joy, and, and the only way to achieve joy is is to take the enemy captive and put him in prison. And that's the enemy within. Right? So, so we I'm can, so glad you said that. The enemy became me. Yeah. And it, I, I was a guy I didn't want to be. Here, yep. Here's part of the problem. And there's a term I see quite often. And sometimes it, it it aggravates me. And other times I'm like, yeah, they're spot on. And it's a term spiritual injury or moral yeah. injury or yeah. moral conflict. Part of it was I was raised my entire life to be a certain kind of guy, be a gentleman, be this, be that, you know, be ready if you need to, to defend yourself and your family, but be a gentleman the rest of the time. And then I found myself, Matthew, in 
really bad life and death situations and I was capable of extreme violence and it's not, and it's almost like it's a totally different side of me. And without getting crazy deep into this, there's a very primitive part of me that I was shocked that was around that actually, I don't want to say celebrate because that's not the right word, was happy I overcame the threat to my life and was very primitive. And what that did, Matthews, it created a huge conflict in me. I, I was capable of doing things that I didn't, uh, it, the conflict, the moral injury, whatever it might be. And, in, and I felt guilty. I didn't do anything wrong. I did was required to stay alive, but I carried around, again, that word shame. Was that an issue for you? I don't believe it was a, I don't believe it was a non-issue, but I don't believe it was um, a real issue. It, you know, being a product of the environment that that I was in, uh, I did I did start struggling with these hostile feelings, these, this hypervigilance, this um, uh, these these I'm gonna use the word triggers, uh, loud noises, whatever the case may be, and um, I became I became violent, you know, violent because I was expecting violence and unnecessarily uh, I would I would react to to situations where um, it caused issues and and I found myself being an enemy to my family the the people that I cared about the most and that um, that within itself you know kind of traumatized and morally wounded me that uh, that I could possibly uh, hurt those who I, I love the most and I, I, my, my job is to protect them. Right. And, and I was, I was, I was becoming the problem for them. Not, not physically hostile, not emotionally or mental hostile uh, because they, they, they never, they never got abused. They never got, uh, they never got anything that, uh, that may be classified as domestic violence. I, I was never, I was never at that point, but I was short of that point. And, um, I commit, I, 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 uh, I thought about, you know, I thought about committing suicide, man. I thought about taking the enemy out and that enemy was me. And that's, that's something that, that I came really close to. And, it, and anytime I talk about it in public, I, uh, I, I usually, I, I usually become, I usually get back to where I was emotionally. And I, I, I just, I just, I just well up, man. And I, I really have a hard time talking about it because, of how good life is now, I chose to live. I chose to fight forward, and um, had I not made that decision, that uh, to fight this enemy and, and to know and to recognize that that I'm good, I'm good people. My, my family loves me. I love my family, and I just need to need to get get through this. Um, if I wouldn't have noted, you know, if I wouldn't have noted that, man, I'd have been out. And what I've been able to, the impact I've been able to make in my family's life and in the lives of countless others I, I you know I just I just bask in how good God is and and the, and the opportunity to continue serving and, and and having purpose in my life you know that just I get it a hundred percent 150 percent and I hate that saying but it came to the point where and I, I don't know the right words to use but I'm gonna go back to something earlier in the conversation you said when you were around your brothers, your your combat veterans or other first responders, you know they got your back. They know they're not going to let anything bad happen to you. You can relax. I needed to find that connection with God so that I could feel like I had somebody to depend on that had my back all the time. And 
that I could relax. And and I'm gonna paraphrase this right now. Nothing about God changed. It was my perception. It was me who changed. I needed to get back to that kid. Remember, I talked about the kid earlier that believed in Santa Claus and life was good. I need to find a way to try to get back to some sort of that state of mind. Is that what you found for you? Yeah, absolutely, man. There was a, a sign hanging up in Linden Church of God that I went to as a kid. It said, if God seemed far away, who moved? And so that, that stick stuck with me for, for quite some time. And I've taught my kids the same thing, you know, and what I, what I learned is to tap into my five senses and to kind of reminisce on my childhood. What, what did I, what did I enjoy about my childhood? And then how can I bring back those positive memories? And, and through hunting and fishing, I was able to do that. You know, the smell, the sight, the sounds, the, the, the feel of the environment in the spring chasing turkeys or in the fall, you know, chasing, pursuing whitetail. Or, or now it's alligators, man. I'm big into hunting alligators. Oh, here, take but. a short break. We're going to talk more about how Matthew found relief not just through his spiritual life, which is a big part of it, but also the outdoors. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. Return conversation with Matthew Burke on the Law Enforcement Today show. He is a PhD. He's a retired combat veteran. He's a founder of 10 Can Inc. That's number one zero. And their website is 10can10can.us. They're on Facebook. Do a search for 10can Inc. and you will find them. I want to thank you so much for not just your service. I know that's said a lot. And if you're like me, I don't know how to reply to it. So most of the time, I've conditioned myself to say you're welcome because that's the appropriate thing to say. And I appreciate even more talking about how combat affected you, how things damaged your life afterwards. There must have come a point, and maybe you said you we were considering tapping out. You're considering, you know, dying by suicide. That had to be a bottom for you, and you decided I got to do things differently. What are some of the things? What What did you do, and where are you at today? Oh, some of the things that I did was just getting back to to, to having a purpose and serving. <clears throat> you know, in prayer and supplication, uh, I, I finally heard from God, and, and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't some it was just, it's just quite breeze, man. You know, like it, like it talks about in the Bible and sometimes he talks to you in different ways, man, through dreams or whatever the case may be, but I heard from him. And, um, and it was this organization, uh, that, that I was able to, to, to build up from the tailgate of my, of my pickup truck, if you would. And, um, and one of the things that I've learned on this journey in 15 years of research and development on, on adolescent development and, and then, um, trying to reach warriors and, and show them a better way forward was, um, was, was an outdoor ministry, if you would. And, uh, we, we do things a little different, man. We're, we're considered a parachurch, um, but it's, uh, I've never heard that term before parachurch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, is it's, that a new it's one? Unique. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's relatively new. It's, it's starting to float around a little bit, and um, and, and I, I held on to it. I like it because where two or more are gathered is what the Bible say, says. When two or more are gathered, there, there he'll be. And so we, when we get together on these adventures, uh, you know, we'll get around the campfire, and what we use is is, a, is called vicarious ministry. And vicarious ministry uh, came out of my findings of vicarious trauma, and that is that people like to listen, and uh, such as eavesdropping, uh, they'd rather eavesdrop than to be talked at, right? So, oh uh, yeah, yeah. So what we what we've done is is just hang around the campfire and, and just have conversations. And, you know, I'll, I'll pick someone that I know has been through it and they've, they've, they've uh, been able to overcome it or they found faith and we'll have a conversation. And then before you know it, everybody's weighing in, man. And, and, um, and then we're, we're just fellowshipping. And that's gotta have, be where the healing starts for many people. It is, it is, man. It is to, to be able to find that escape. And so what, what, what we do out, Outside of kind of the the devotions, if you would, of vicarious ministry, we like to evangelize through action adventure in the great outdoors, right? So that's we want to show people the love of Christ. We want to show people how they can they can find the 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 living water, the well of life, if you would. And so through those action based steps, um, we lead warriors back to their childhood roots. And we use the five senses to do that. Um, you know, whatever they say, Hey man, I, I used to walk on a beach when I was a kid, man. And that used to bring me so much memories. Well, let's go, let's go for a walk on the beach. Let's do this. Right. Um, and when we're talking about preventative maintenance or proactive medicine, we want to focus on raising up that next generation of warriors. And that's one of the, one of the main things that we do is when we take out a warrior and their kid, we're looking at restoring that relationship that may be uh, fragmented from some traumatic stress that the warrior went through and, and helping that healing process of, of their family development. But in that, in that focus on that hero's most valuable treasure in this world, we're looking at that kid is 80% likely of following their parents' footsteps. Right. So what we want to do is create those that those five senses in the outdoors and that way when they face trauma it's not if but when they face trauma they can tap back into that source and and find healing and so that's our proactive way of raising warriors if you would that's going to be more yeah it's going to be more resilient than what we're facing today because everybody's going to experience trauma that's what i was trying to get at military is going to experience it our first responders are experiencing it. Look, the mom and dads, the, the person who sells cars for a living is going to encounter trauma and some yep. of them are going to have tremendous impact and it's going to affect yes. them. One yep. of the things I, I think you are alluding to is you said, let's go back to and do things that you f- took a lot of pleasure from and got a lot of re- relief from when you were a kid and let's do those things. Two things came to mind. One is a, a thought that I was taught a long time ago and I tried to remember to do this is to change a thought, I have to move a muscle. I have to do something. If I sit around thinking, it's going to go to bad places. The second mm-hmm. one is in combat, whether it be military combat for you guys or street cops like myself, yep. we develop a suit of armor. And that suit of armor is designed to protect us. However, that suit of armor becomes rusty and it becomes a prison and it 
and it creates a life we don't want. And I have to find a way to take that armor off when I don't need it. And by yeah. doing things outdoors and using that word you use, vicarious ministry, when I listen to other people, I move a, a, a muscle and I can do things and I can change my state of mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. It's it's a pretty powerful finding that um, that I write about in my book, Saving Heroes, and it's um, I share my my journey through that book and and um, and the formula that we use through our organization, and, and that formula has been a one hundred percent successful in, in saving over thirty five hundred warriors from committing suicide, and that's that's this formula is is back to basics. It has it has faith built into it. Not, not really necessary religion right? Right. because with religion, I, I, I love religion. Don't get me wrong. I love the church, but what we do, what we've done is create denominational segregation within our country, within the, within religion. And so religion has gotten a bad rap and, and the word and the phrase religion has really turned people off, especially warriors who, who may be having some anti-authoritarian issues because Even of the term ministry can sh- shut people down. It, because yeah. remember you said earlier, if if my relationship with God has changed, who moved? Yep. That's what's we're being influenced by outside sources. And a lot of these outside sources are are organizations, institutions, the media, news media, print, whatever it might be, that are designed to make a profit. So we're being led by people who have profit in mind. Instead yeah. of healing. You mentioned earlier, yeah. and I want to get to this, what you do. You have a book. What's the name of that book? Saving Heroes. And where can people get it? Uh, it's it, it's published online. You can get it from Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, my 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 website MatthewBurkeBooks.com. There's a, a variety of ways to be able to to get it. Now let's talk about your organization. See, you became a PhD and you decided to help people, and a big part of that is uh, Ten Can. Tell us about Ten Can. What you do? Where people get more information? Yeah, our mission is to save heroes, raise warriors, and restore hope. That's it in an elevator statement. But uh, the core of our of our mission is is to lead lead our warriors to and their families to uh, to to Christ. And um, we do that in a very unique way. Uh, some some don't even realize it's happening. Some know. I always want to let people know that this is who we are as an organization, brother. We serve. We serve atheists. We 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 are very diverse. We serve Muslims. We serve Buddhists. We we serve everybody. And we don't force our our beliefs on anybody. Uh, we're just we're just out here having a good time and and showing people the way to joy, right? And um, we hunt, fish, survive. Uh, I'm I'm building a, a waterfront retreat center in St. Augustine, Florida. And our and our one of our fundraisers coming up is going to help help fuel that. We created a membership program that that um, I'm really really uh, excited about. That membership is is ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year, and that that right there is going to be able to help us create a sustainable financial uh, baseline to to carry out operations. But not just that, but unite our voices for our military and first responder families and, and to be able to go over to a government entity and say, Hey, look, Florida, um, fishing game. Uh, I believe that the warriors can benefit from, from doing this change. Can would you listen? And, and if we have the membership base, the numbers, they're going to listen. 
but right now we don't we don't have because we've been operating for nine years without this um, this structured formula. Uh, you know, we've served maybe fifty thousand. I, so I guess far. the best thing to do was have people go to your website and Facebook yeah. and see how up. And by the way, never ever underestimate the the, the power of making a five or ten dollar contribution. Uh, many oh, yeah. many charities, nonprofits say fundraising is the other f word. This is Law Enforcement Day Show. Matthew, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. <laughs> appreciate it, Jay. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.